Okay, well, everybody, welcome back to the Awesome Boom podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning back in. Today, I'm back here with Fabian, and we're going to be going and having an in-depth conversation into uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and a range of strategies and techniques that can be utilized to process uh, the trauma and to help sort of unfold a, an easier way to sort of navigate through um, the healing journey from from dealing with PTSD. So Fabian, as always, my friend, thank you very much for coming and speaking to me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I, can't remember, I can't remember exactly, as always, I can never remember exactly when we did our last podcast. It wasn't too long. Um, it was, we're in what, we're January now. We did it in, uh, you moved, it was, it was before you moved house, so it was maybe in like... Uh, October time? Late autumn, it was like in the autumn, in September, October. Yeah. Something like that. So, perfect. Um, well, listen, well, w- welcome, welcome, welcome back. No, I'm happy, happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. So, where, where would you like to start? Because, obviously, uh, people know that we've been working together for quite a few months now um, mm. and working through your personal sort of healing experience and we have sort of what we discussed is sort of talking about going deep into the sort of the real mm. st- structures the the real um, hardened areas of traumas that very often yeah. we're not necessarily even aware that we are we have embedded deep inside of us just due yeah. to the sort of the, the time difference between when these traumas have happened earlier in our years and and now and I know for you it's been a real, a, a really personal journey into mm. self exploration and exploring um, childhood trauma and the subsequent PTSD yeah. from those experiences. So I'll let you uh, just start with explaining more about your personal experience, and um, we'll we'll lead from there. Um. So. You know, as you know, I come from a background of having had multi-layered childhood trauma. Um, you know, I had trauma in in school and at home, and also just long-lasting trauma. So, it, it you know, I went from an abusive family to an abusive relationship, um, and hit the point where. I was essentially not essentially I was an addict um I had an eating disorder um at my peak weight was you know 23 stone um which is now mind blowing and just had via a combination of factors this moment that you know okay I actually if I don't do something about this then I'm not going to be around much longer. Um, And started a very, very gradual but deep dive into doing the work. Um, Why did I have this trauma? Why was I obese? Why was I triggered into eating the way I was eating, namely primarily a junk food diet? Um, Just started that journey of of asking those deeper questions. and of, of quite literally 
um, unraveling my life, you know, literally unpacking my life and following all of these threads and then trying to resolve them one issue at a time. Um, because I was at a point where it was undeniable that something was wrong and it was undeniable that I had to figure out the reasons why something was wrong. And, you know, in my experience, it's, it's, if you don't do that, then your health is only going to get worse. Um, and if you don't do that, your life is never going to change for the better. You know, I've got, I've got people in my life who've known me through the whole journey and many of them say they don't recognize me from where I was 10, 15 years ago. Um, it's life changing, but it's, it's do it's, it's life changing. If you do it, you have to want to do it. But yeah, it's unpicking all of the questions of like, well, why has this happened to me? Why is this, why is this issue or that issue here? And how am I going to do it? Um, and for me, the start for me, the starting point of what am I going to do here came with the realization that what conventional wisdom and conventional medical care was telling me wasn't working. You know, I was taking the antidepressants, I was taking the sleeping pills, I was taking the pain medication and the anti-anxiety pills, I was taking all of, you know, the cocktail of pharmaceuticals, which, if you believe the doctors and the marketing will make it all better. But it was a point of recognition that actually, I've been following this advice to take this antidepressant to follow this nutrition for you know a good six years and it's not working it's actually worse so what you know if a doctor tells you take this pill and you'll feel better and you don't at a certain point in time you're going to have to start asking the question why isn't this working and i think that was my big turning point was sort of sitting in a room in North America, in Boston, where I lived with an appointment for a new psychiatrist. And my first question to him in the session was, I've been doing everything I've been told for six years. And I'm not better, I'm worse. And actually starting to ask the question, why? What, what, what are we missing? It's terrifying, isn't it? If you think it, when you, yeah. when, when you hear stories like that, where, you know, you, you were based in the States, so you, you had access to amazing healthcare. Yes. You know, some of the best in the world. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was in a city where Harvard is. Yeah. And, and like you sort of say, you, 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 you did everything. The doctors were telling you, you were taking, yeah. taking, taking their prescription drugs and, you know, six years down the line, you were, yeah. Worse. Yeah. And it, it, it was, I think that was the first moment that I had this realization that we live in, we live in the symptom based instant gratification culture where people 
just want to hear, take this pill and that'll do the trick. And they don't think they need to do anything else. Yeah. And I think I, the, the one point I would make here is that I, I don't want to sound like there isn't a place for pharmaceuticals. You know, once I, once I was working with that new psychiatrist, I continued taking some of the meds, but I did a whole lot of other stuff as well. The issue is, the, my issue with it is, if you tell someone here, just take this pill and your depression and your PTSD will get better, then you're not actually helping them. If you tell them, take this medication and do X, Y, and Z, in other words, be, be, be holistic, not narrowly focused. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's an interesting one because you know obviously these doctors you know have the intention of trying to help you. Yes. You know, why else would they be doctors, right? Mm. And it's 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 fascinating, isn't it? How you see this more and more regularly that you you know you, you go to the doctor, you usually have what 10, 15 minutes, fifteen minutes with them, yeah, fifteen minutes max, maybe if less and you're just given yeah you're just given pills i remember i mean a, a long time ago now um when i was much younger and my first marriage was going down the yin yang and i was feeling very sort of scared and lost and anxious and my whole life was changing i remember going to my doctor and just sort of saying, look, you know, I feel really, I just feel really shit. <laughs> I just feel really shit. Mm. And yeah, I had like 15 minutes in there. And she's like, oh, we'll just write your prescription. And uh, I, I walked out of that place mm. with sleeping pills and uh, antidepressants. And then kind of spent the next sort of six months in this sort of drugged out haze of just... I call, yeah, I call, I call it the zombie mode, right? You know, yeah. where it's... <laughs> Just a just a total zombie. I remember I was just sitting on the sofa at yeah. night, a couple of bottles of cider, with one of those sleeping pills and your diazepam or whatever the hell you take at the time. Mm-hmm. Barely make it to bed. And, and and just like you, it didn't it, it didn't make me feel any better. It it mm. took it took me out of my head. It it put me to sleep. Um but there was there's no there's no healing value in it. All it was doing was just putting off the inevitable of me having to deal with that nonsense yeah uh, you know i think i think i think the 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 trouble with western medicine is that they they're so focused on symptoms and the idea that the body is just physical it's skin and bones and muscle and tissue and nothing else that they're hesitant to ask the deeper questions. Yeah, and their, their, their entire training is that I can fix this person by putting a chemical into their body. That's it, that's all I need to do. And, you know, I, I, I had my eyes opened, thankfully, by this psychiatrist that I found, who, when he looked at the list of prescriptions I was on, first of, first of all went, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. That's not what you need. 
wrote me a, a set of news prescriptions. And then his next question was, okay, Fabian, what else are you doing? You know, it was, he, he, he from day one said, okay, it's fine that you're taking that antidepressant and that sleeping pill and that anti-anxiety. But number one, we need to reduce the doses because you're too drugged up. But also, what else are you doing? Like, tell me about your life. And our, our first conversation was actually, our first appointment was all about what does your day-to-day -day life look like? The dive into trauma with him came much later. The mm. first bit was take these pills, but here's what else you need to be doing. Um, I, I know of interest. What, what, what were those recommendations? You know, his, 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 I walked out of his session with a demand from him. And I use that word deliberately because what he essentially said to me was, I'm very selective about who I work with. And if you're not willing to do all of this as well as take the pills, then I'm the wrong psychiatrist for you. So he said, I want to know what your nutrition is like. I want to know what other strategies you're using apart from the medications. Are you journaling? Are you exercising? Um, what's your social life like? What's your work life like? He wanted the whole picture. And then even better down the line, there was accountability in the sense that he said, you know, I want to... I want to know the name of your personal trainer. I want to know the name of your nutritionist. Like I want to actually see that you're doing all these things because if, if you're not doing them, then what's the point? So, he, you know, he came from that pharmaceutical background. He was, you know, he was the deputy head of the psychiatric department at Harvard medical school, as well as being a practicing psychiatrist. And, you know, he basically said, I want to work with people who want to get better. But to do that, they need to do what I tell them to do. Yeah. So he was empowering and also a little bit bossy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think, you know, to be honest, a lot of the time, that's what you need, isn't it? You, yes. You, you need direction. You need someone yeah. who is going to hold you to be accountable and, and, yes. and also make you recognize that, you know, if you are just expecting to take a prescription drug every day and to get better, then you need to take mm. some responsibility for your own life and yeah. you have to learn to manage that and do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do because until you're prepared to actually change the shit you do, then you're yeah. just repeating, right? And, you know, I think, I think, my, I think my moment of holy crap, this guy is open-minded, came the biggest moment for that was probably, I can't remember, like three or four sessions in, he actually said to me, like, Fabian, we're stuck. You have a mental block, a memory block. And you, you actually, it was the first time I heard the definition PTSD. He said, you've got memory loss. You can't actually remember what's happened to you. And that's a real problem. And his suggestion was, I'm going to refer you to a hypnotherapist that I work with. And I'm going to ask her to record the session. It's like, wait a minute, a Harvard-educated psychiatrist, a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School is sending me to a hypnotherapist. 
I mean, it's pretty open-minded. Um, and I went and did the session with her and then with him listened back to the recording. And at that point it was, okay, I've got some work to do. But the point he kept making was, you've got trauma here and until you remember what it is, you're never going to be able to work through it. And yeah. if you're not willing to remember what it is, then you'll never be able to work through it. And all the medications will be basically doing nothing but keeping you on, um, on, a, st on a stable zombie level and you'll never get better. So he was, he was all about having the pharmaceuticals be a tool rather than the solution and just one of many tools. And I, I stick to most of what he said, I continue to stick to because it's just been and continues to be true. Other than the fact that I don't, that I'm not on pharmaceuticals anymore. Yeah, which is amazing. Which is, you know, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, you're going to say? Yeah, so I think, I think it's, you know, the, the, the reality, I think you and I know, the reality is that most people who manage to get an appointment for a counsellor on the NHS are going to be told those basic things like here take these pills and the NHS being what it is they're not going to get much more than that no and also and then also I mean no fault to no fault to the people who work in the NHS or other therapies but I think um I, I think that the overall understanding of post-traumatic stress disorder, how we, how we code experiences, how we store emotional trauma mm. in, our, in, our, in our physical body and how that then goes on to deeply impact our day-to-day -day lives subconsciously. Mm. So we're not, even, we're not even aware yeah. of. Yeah. And because we've just been doing these sorts of behaviours just so regularly, day by day, for many, many years... You know, again, we we're not even conscious of them. Yeah. Um. So, like you sort of say, it's very much starting off the journey to create that deeper awareness mm. of yourself and what is yeah. going on. And I think the I think one of the problems, and we've we've discussed this a lot, is now in today's society, we're sort of being we've been geared up to expect immediate results. We, we, mm. we, li we live in a world where, um, you know, we can get things fairly instantaneously. We like that sort of very fast sort of fulfillment. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, and that's great. It's, it's, it's great to live in a, in a, in a fast moving society where like just, just now I was just talking to my wife and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm putting a Waitrose order in. We, we can be delivered here within an hour. And you're like, Oh, well, that saves us having to yeah. go out to the shop. Yeah, yeah. too lazy, yeah. and that's amazing. And uh, I, but the problem is, is that we kind of expect that instant gratification in all aspects of our lives. Yeah, and yeah. that's not how it how it works. And you know, once you start to recognise that you do need to start a healing journey, you do have things in your life that you have to address. 
then it is this process, this journey of, as you said earlier, unpicking, mm. exploring, finding those 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 deeper, darker aspects of yourself, yeah. and then processing it, and that 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 takes time, and you know. Well, it's 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 exactly you know the analogy you've given me in some of our work is is that of a computer that you're updating. You know, you you have to remove old programming and old programs for the new ones to work correctly. Yeah, and and, right? and, that, and, and, that, and that's it, and that's it. It's it's, it's finding it's it's doing that. It's doing that manual virus scan on mm. yourself highlighting those corrupted programs bringing those corrupted programs to the surface so you can feel your way through them as we know which will then allow you to process and mm. uh, let go of that energy that trauma yes yeah. and which then gives your vessel more space to create more energy in a, in a, in a new and more positive light new programs yes. new belief structures um, yeah which is, yeah, which, which, which is vital yeah, being willing to ask the questions of yourself: Why have I got this particular behaviour? Or you know, why do I reach this for this particular drug or this particular alcohol or whatever? It's it's a friend of mine. A friend of mine says it. She says you have to become your own guinea pig, which sounds sort of really scientific, but you have to become your own experiment. Yeah, actually, I think that's a really, I think that's a really nice way of, of putting it. And I and I also I, I think what that does is, it, you have to recognise that it's you who has to take responsibility. And actually, mm. I, I think as a as, as a as a as a race as a species, I think we've been programmed to hand over too much. Yes. Sort of power and authority over to somebody else. So we look at the person in the white coat, the doctor, and go, this guy's They're a god. Gonna, yeah, this guy's going to know how to fix me. Mm. And w- while they are certainly, most undoubtedly, have a, a better idea of some of the simple fundamentals of the, you know, the human autonomy and stuff like that, it's much harder to, to unpick and understand what's really going on in another human being's psyche. Yes. And consciousness my, my, I, 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 I agree with you albeit I would phrase it slightly differently I think we've been conditioned to give authority to other people oh yeah definitely no absolutely you know you see you see it you see it in so many things people people love an expert they love somebody who goes on TV in a white coat and tells them how to live their life or how to fix their life yeah, so I think it's a combination of, of authority con- authority conditioning and wanting instant gratification. Yeah, and also um, understanding that when when the human mind is in a state of flux, confusion, uh, unsure, it will very much look for a quick, easy solution so it yes. can get, get itself out of that state of, trying to work something out so it'll grab ideas mm. so if if someone in that white coat who you have been programmed conditioned to go well listen to them because they've been to school for seven years and they know what they're talking about then your the human mind ego will latch onto that very fast and yeah whatever whatever he says yeah. that's that's perfect we've resolved this issue I, I don't need to think about this anymore yes um whereas the issue is is that um 
you're expecting somebody else, and regardless of their medical training, they are going to be projecting their own models of their own reality they individually experience onto you and onto your situation, combined with some medical knowledge. Um, but that can be fraught with issues. That can um, that 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 that's just not a great way of sort of unpicking because mm. you are you know if someone is um, what's the word I'm looking for I'm stuck on the word I'm looking for if someone is very suggestible then if a doctor sort of says well actually maybe it's this it might not be that at all but a person will take that projection yes. and turn yeah. it their own which can then create it can take you can take the client off on a totally separate mm. tangent yes and, and and away potentially from the actual real source of their discomfort their disease their issues yeah yeah so that's where you've got to be very careful and that's what i find sometimes with a lot of doctors and, and, and professionals is that they'll start projecting and leading therapy sessions because of what they believe to be yes. true yes yeah. in, instead of really sort of supporting the client to go through their own journey because they're their own guru really mm. they're, they're they're the facilitator of their own healing they just yeah don't. there's there's the 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 clinical side of people needs to to let go of you know to put it at its harshest they need to let go of the god complex and say and and exactly as you're saying allow the the the, per, the person in the room to lead it and that's i think that's what i meant by sort of the the holistic thing as well because if you ask the question ptsd is a symptom ptsd is not if all you're doing is taking medication to treat the symptom you're not getting anywhere no right um and the only way you can be ho the only way you can be holistic is to let the person lead. You can give guidance, which is what that what this psychiatrist did, but the person who's healing has to be in charge. Yeah. No, I take I and, agree. And learn to not hand their power over to to an external source. Again, something which I think that we've all been conditioned. Oh yeah, to do freely. Yeah, I mean, look, it it took me, it took me six years to start asking questions. Once I was already taking medications, um, and you have to be willing to never stop asking questions. Yeah, you know, so. Is that is that constant? Is that constant inquiry? From constant the, curiosity about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's observing. what. And that that's what I mean by that's what the friend of mine and I mean by make be your own guinea pig. You know, do you have that constant level of curiosity about yourself, and as a result of which you become you become incredibly intimate with yourself. You become incredibly self-aware. So give us some examples 
you talk about sort of being your own guinea pig, having to sort of experiment, try out new techniques and different strategies and ideas. Yeah. So you, um, I mean, I think, I think the, the first one that the first one that really springs to mind and, and is probably, it, it, I struggle to say whether it's the biggest one, but a very big one for me certainly was nutrition. I had, I had every doctor, including the the psychiatrist that was sort of you know his one flaw telling me that here's how you need to eat and what they were what they were describing was what you would very much call today's conventional wisdom namely moderation in everything so eat your grains eat your dairy it's fine just try, basically just avoid processed foods so as a result of that, I was effectively eating a diet that was incredibly high in carbohydrates, um, which are sugars. And my obesity and my mental symptoms weren't getting any better. And every doctor was saying the same thing. So... I had that sense of curiosity enough to say, look, they clearly mean well, they're not evil people, they're highly trained doctors, but what they are telling me is not working. So why isn't it working? Um, and as a result of having the question of why isn't it working, I started picking up books on nutrition myself. I started talking to a few people in the fitness world, personal trainers and yoga teachers about nutrition. And I started experimenting on myself, you know, okay, what happens if I cut out grains? What happens if I cut out dairy? What happens if I, you know, reduce the amount of, of sugars that, that I eat? I just literally started experimenting with my nutrition. Where do I feel good? Where do I not feel good? What makes me feel bloated? What makes me feel satiated? I took a really, really deep dive into nutrition. I read it and I had the openness of mind to say, I'm not going to reject anything outright, but the conventional wisdom doesn't work. Um, why isn't this working what is going to work i'll tell you what Eve, you need to just if you can try and repeat what you said there because we're getting out, we're guidance onto my body and I ended up finding the sweet spot. But it was that, as I say, it was that curiosity. Sorry, I'm just having a bit of an internet Sorry? issue. Just having a bit of an internet issue. I don't know if it's my end or your end. There you are. Is it my end or is it your end? Can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I'm just going to move slightly closer to mine because I don't know why that's not working. Wobbling a bit. But the problem is I've got no I've got no 
bloody lights anywhere, so now you can't see me. <laughs> it's all right, we'll just do the sound. Christ. Second, let me just plug in. Okay, so basically, just uh, just repeat that last or like two minutes, if you can remember. So, so what I was essentially saying was, you know, I had lots of people advising me to stick to you know the nutritional conventional wisdom which wasn't unhealthy but it wasn't working for me and because of that i had to become is if i was going to solve my obesity i had to become very curious about my nutrition about what was coming into my body so I, do, I started picking up books. I started talking to people other than doctors. Um, I spoke to personal trainers and really took a dive into educating myself about nutrition and food. So I, I empowered myself and stopped just listening to what the system was telling me. Did you find that taking that sort of self-initiative using that sort of self-empowerment supported you more and helped you to sort of feel more in control of your progress yes um because it 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 had that playback of okay these people are well-meaning they're harvard educated doctors they're whatever they clearly mean well but what they're telling me isn't working so why isn't it working it was it was very empowering and very challenging. And I say challenging because you, you, you have this moment of once, once you start disbelieving quest conventional wisdoms, once you start questioning conventional wisdoms, you become a different person. So it oh, turned yeah. into a whole bigger shift. And can you um, can, can you re can you remember uh, what the doctor's response was when you sort of said to them, "Look, I've been doing everything you wanted me to do for the last sort of mm. six years. I'm not getting any better. I feel worse." What was their response? I kept going in to have my blood tests and, you know, have all the numbers checked that job numbers that, that doctors checked. And once I'd hit the, the weight reduction that they were looking for and they measured my numbers again, at that point, the cardiologist I was seeing said to me, he said, so what's your nutrition? And I actually said to him, I'm not going to tell you what my nutrition has been until you tell me what my numbers look like. So has my blood, has my cholesterol gone down? Does my heart sound like it's in better shape? You know, does my lung capacity look better? All of these, all of these things they were measuring. Um, 
blood pressure, etc., etc. So I said to him, I said, look, without being, you know, I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember what I said to him exactly, obviously. But I essentially said, look, tell me if my numbers are better or worse. And then I'll tell you. And he told me that all of my numbers had dropped into the green zone. They were, they'd gone from danger levels to what they call high normal. Yeah. And at that point, I told him how I'd been eating and he didn't believe it. The cardiologist, he sort of was, he sort of looked flabbergasted and said, and basically implied that he couldn't believe that someone had started fixing their weight issues with dietary strategies, lifestyle strategies, with dietary and nutrition strategies that were so the opposite of what they'd been taught. Yeah. So, as I say, conventional wisdoms don't have to be wrong, but they can be wrong for you. And this is one example where, you know, I, I had my last physical, I'm 44 now, I had my last full physical two years ago, and I'm 44, so back then I was 42, and the doctor who checked me out told me I had the, the blood work and the numbers of somebody 10 years my, my junior. That's good work. Yeah, but I did it by following advice completely the opposite of what the conventional wisdom is. So do you want to just sort of talk us through the sorts of things that you did do, which was unconventional? Um, so the biggest thing that I've done that's unconventional when it comes to nutrition is to have foods that I just don't eat anymore. So I don't eat bread anymore. I don't eat grains anymore. So I don't eat pasta. Um, and the other biggest one is I don't eat dairy other than butter. Um, so no milk, no yogurt for me, no cheeses. That's one of the big ones. Um, and I basically... I essentially eat what's called the paleo diet or what I think the more accurate term is I eat the caveman diet, mm. which means if it's not, if it's more than three steps from what the food is in nature, don't touch it. So I eat a lot of, I eat a lot of, I, I essentially eat now I eat a high protein, low carbohydrate diet. So I eat protein and vegetables. Um, and, you know, if you look up and if you read most nutrition textbooks, that's not the way the medical community would have you believe is correct to eat. But it has been correct for me. Yeah. But wasn't the, the sort of the official, the official sort of diet, especially created in the US, which was obviously focused on very heavy grains, you know, very, yeah. very heavy carb focused diet. Mm. That was that was that was done mainly because grains were so cheap and easy to produce and would could yes. feed the masses. It's, it's got nothing to do yeah. with oh, it's really good for us. It's just like this is a really cheap source of fuel that we can feed people. That that's what it started out as, but it has morphed over the years into the conventional wisdom. So you know, for example, 
a conventional wisdom which is still around now and you can see it if you turn your television on and you watch the commercials is that fat is bad and that you should eat a low fat diet but what most people don't realize is that you know if you walk into sainsbury's into the massive sainsbury's that's just down the road from you and you walk into the yogurt aisle and you pick up a, a bottle a, a, a tub of low fat yogurt and you turn the label around you'll find that the sugar is incredibly high mm. yeah so that's for example is a conventional wisdom don't eat fat now most doctors who follow the conventional wisdom if i saw the amount of if they saw the amount of healthy fats that i put in my body they'd be shocked yet my numbers are as good as they are yeah yeah so you're right it it started as a let's feed the masses but it's turned into the conventional wisdom yeah i mean that's just such a it's such a crazy situation i've naturally always uh been much more prone to sort of focus on proteins and fats yes uh, for a long well, time well i mean it's it's a classic example in the world today of cognitive dissonance. Mm. This is how you should be eating. But yet at the same time, we have, you know, the UK is number four on the world of obesity meter. Is it really? That's, that's, yeah. that's so disturbing. And in children, we're number one or two. Yeah, yeah, but the conventional I, I, wisdom still says eat a low-fat, high-grain diet, high-carbohydrate diet. So, can, you know, can, you'll know this. Conventional wisdoms take a long time to die if they need to die. Yeah. No, no, for, sh for sure, for sure. But also the crazy thing is, is that, you know, back in, back in the sort of maybe the, you know, the 40s and 50s of when they were sort of working out all of these sort of diets and all of this sort of stuff, we were living much more healthier sort of active mm -hmm. lifestyles. The problem is now we've, you know, the majority of people probably sit, sit down for like eight, 10 hours a day, if not more, just at work. Mm -hmm. They're eating heavily processed carb, sugar, heavy, uh, diets. Uh, yes. You know, you, you, you only need to take a stroll in a supermarket and watch what people are putting in their trolleys. Hmm to see to see the cognitive dissonance at play you know um so you know there's an example of questioning a conventional wisdom and discovering that for me it's wrong you know and i and i emphasize the for me because i know people who can eat grains and dairy and um a little bit more the conventional way and who are very healthy um i'm not saying all conventional wisdoms wisdoms are wrong i'm saying be willing to ask questions yeah especially especially if you've been following those conventional wisdoms as you said yes and, and if you've done and you haven't been seeing the results that you yeah. expect be, be you know you you have to as part of as part of being your own guinea pig, you have to be open-minded enough and honest enough with yourself to admit when a strategy that somebody else has given you, in all likelihood for the very best of motives, isn't working. Yeah, and that, that to me is empowerment. Mm. 
you know, I'll repeat again, the psychiatrist I was seeing was not a malevolent person in, you know, he was 95% brilliant, but he was coming at food and nutrition from a conventional wisdom place and it wasn't working for me. Mm. But the scary thing is, is that actually um, when these guys do go to medical school, the, the, uh, the nutritional say semester or, or, or part of the course that yes. has to cover is, is very, very small. I mean, you know, yes. they, they, they skim over nutrition massively. Yeah. So the majority of doctors oh. haven't got a clue. They, and they skim over, they skim over, they skim over exercise and movement, you know, mm. um, you, you, they get, they get a lot of things, but yes, they don't get exercise and they don't get nutrition. Mm. Um, it's so, just gave me a flashback to a doctor that I remember seeing a couple of times when I was a child in our local surgery back in the eighties. And he was this great big man. He had a huge stomach, you know, smoke and drank like a fish super super unhealthy never did a bit of exercise in his life and he's he's there giving you yeah advice on health <laughs> mm. yeah you know it's there's 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 that level as well of is the person who's in front of you giving this advice a healthy person themselves mm. you know it's it, all of those cognitive dissonances I, you know, I've been thinking about this podcast, this this chat for a couple of days, and I've I've sort of been observing what I notice about the world in light of what we're talking about. And I think one of the biggest things I said this to my girlfriend, or I think I said it to her a couple of days ago, was once your eyes are open, it's amazing how much cognitive dissonance you notice in the world. Oh yeah, I mean, I was I was having this conversation with a couple of people this week. Is that you know? Is that classic sort of thing? Once you start to notice, then you just realise it's everywhere. Yes, um, and yeah, you you notice it's everywhere, and you you can't help but work through it. Mm. Um, and you know, you you, I come back to it are there some conventional wisdoms that have worked for me? Yes, but I questioned all of them. But I think that's a healthy thing to do though, especially when it comes to mm. our health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many people ask their doctor really, really deep questions when they get a diagnosis or when they get told they should do something, you know, obviously we have a situation now where, a GP appointment is 15 minutes, which is not conducive to that, but that's part of the problem. Right. Cause you can't, you know, if you're, if you walk into your doctor's office and he's, you say, doctor, I'm depressed and they give you a description, you know, off the top of my head, just naming one, if they give you a, a prescription for Prozac, but you can't have a deeper conversation about why and ask the questions, then you're not addressing it. No. But I think this is this is this is very much what happens a lot of the time is that due to time constraints, um, you know the doc the doctors really are just sort of mm -hmm. throw, throwing out the prescriptions. They don't haven't got chance to sort of have that deep and meaningful conversation with the client to yeah, work out. No, they the don't. 
real issues at hand. And you, therefore, you have to have those deeper conversations with yourself. Mm. And become, you know, become your own giant science experiment. You know, I still experiment on myself. I'm sure you do as well. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. I, I, I spent a lot of time desperately trying to work out what worked for me and what was help, mm. me, out, help me out of my funks. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I found a number of different strategies as, as you have. Um, mm. Luckily, I don't, I, don't, I don't have to use the strategies as much as I used to. No, you, I think you, I think you develop a handful of strategies that work for you and you implement those and you reject the ones that don't work so well. Mm. Again, it's that experimentation, isn't it? Yeah. And a particular strategy may work for a period of time or a short period of time and then it suddenly shifts and you have to find a new one. Mm. Yeah. Well, as uh, you know, as as we've as as we've worked through, you know, it's it's very much a, a layered process. Yes, it's, you know, you you get access to a layer, which gives you some additional information. You've got to heal that. You've got to work your way through that before mm. graduating for you to your next level of trauma, <laughs> so yes. to speak. Well, I I don't think I don't think so to speak is the wrong expression. You know that the. the, the one of my biggest lessons has been about how just how much trauma does affect your body and how it is layered. Mm. Oh, it's, it's, it's certainly layered. I've, I've um, seen this with so many clients. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately as well, you know, I, I, I said this in the last podcast, but the trauma has to go somewhere. Where else is it going to go except your body? Hmm. You know, um, so the idea that you can fix it just by taking a pill actually is a bit of a is a bit of a dissonance in and of itself. No, I totally agree with you. You know, you you, you can't resolve an issue unless you confront it. No, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, for years, you know, I I, I never wanted to confront any issues. I just stuck my head in the sand. Mm. Denial. Yeah. Yeah, well, denial is a very strong, it's a very powerful river, you know, it runs through a lot of countries. <laughs> yeah, totally deny, stick my head in the sand. Yeah. Keep drinking, keep carrying on as normal. Yeah, pretend like nothing is wrong. Um, you know, that that's that's... That's the easy way. And I say that without judgment of people who choose not to do the work, but it's just true. Mm. The comfortable thing to do is to deny there's an issue and to keep going. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, right. as, we, as I mean, we've discussed many, many times, you know, the, the, the journey of having those blunt, honest conversations with yourself. Yeah. Of why we were you, the way we are. It's, it's really hard work. And therefore you have to have support. That's why you need supporting strategies. Yeah. Like all all of the strategies that we're talking about, whether it's nutrition or seeing a counselor, 
they are support structures for you doing the work, but they are not the work in a way. No, I mean, I think, you know, with, with, with the people that I've worked with over the years, you know, and I'll see if you agree with me, but it's very much, you know, people come, we have a conversation, do some work, but it's very much the time afterwards. Yes. Where very often the majority of the work and the pro especially the processing takes place. And that is why, um, you know, it does require discipline, dedication, because mm. a lot of the time you are going to find yourself by yourself having to process and support yourself through yes. this, 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 this journey. And that mm. can, that can, you know, be particularly challenging and, you know, for individuals and, I think that's why a lot of people realistically avoid going down that route. Um, yeah, I think that, I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, and you know, even there, there's, even there, there's strategy in the sense that, you know, you, if you go into this saying, right, I've got to sort this out and you set yourself too big of a target, then you're bound to fail. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's, you'll understand it coming from trauma, but one of the things I work with is the idea of one day at a time. Mm. What have I done today to take a step forward? Um, what have I done today to improve this particular issue? Half a percent or 1%. You have to work in increments. No, I agree. Otherwise, I think everything just can become too overwhelming. And I think that's mm. when people then will give up. Yeah, people, people will give up and, they'll, and then they'll, they'll risk falling into a cycle of, oh, I'm such an idiot. I screwed up. I ate a McDonald's today. So what's the point? Mm. You, you know, I, look, I have, I'm a, as you know, I'm a big sports fan. And I had a, I had a real click moment. I'm trying to remember about, four years ago when I read um, an autobiography of um, a guy called Richie McCaw, who was the captain of the All Blacks. And I didn't know that, you know, he'd suffered from depression. And one of the things his psychiatrist told him to do was to buy a notebook and at the beginning of every day, write down two words, namely start again like really make one day at a time, one thing at a time, your focus. Um, have little targets rather than big targets. You know, break, break the work down into manageable portions rather than trying to eat the whole thing at once. Yeah, we call it small chunking. Yes. Yeah, bite, it's, 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 yeah, it's bite, bite size bite-sized changes i think well and uh, I've, I've definitely used this quote with you before in our last previous podcasts um but i believe it was walt disney who sort of said don't change one thing by a hundred percent change a hundred yeah. things by just one percent and then you yes. see massive changes and i yes. think that's i think that's one of the big things with the, the overwhelmment of starting your healing journey and, and and going through the sort of the pain experience is um 
it can just feel so overwhelming and so scary, mm -hmm. so intimidating. But like yeah. you sort of say, if you do break it down one step at a time and just yeah. recognize, right, I'm going to be doing one step at a time every single day for the next year. And in 12 yes. months time, I'm going to be in a very different place. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't, I, I, you wouldn't I, even I, need 12 months to be honest. No, you know, I, I use the example a lot when people ask me about my, you know, there's, there's, you, you probably will have heard it, but there's something now being called the COVID stone. Um, and I'm getting a lot of people sort of ask me, you know, Fabian, how did you do it? And I tell the story of the first, the first uh, 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 lifting coach in the States who took a look, who took a look at my nutrition. This was back when I was still eating junk food. And, you know, he asked me, he said, Fabian, what's your worst habit? Nutritionally speaking, what's your worst habit? And I sort of went away and I thought about it and I said, you know, I think my worst habit right now is that I drink four liters of Coca-Cola per day. Wow. Which is true. Yeah, <laughs> I was drinking four liters of, I, I wasn't drinking any water. I was drinking exclusively sugary soft drinks. And he said, you know, he, he dove deeper. He said, so, 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 so wait a second, are you, are you drinking 24 cans of Coke per day or are you buying two liter bottles and opening the bottle and downing it? Mm. And I said, well, the latter. And he said, okay, so here's our strategy. He said, don't buy bottles of Coke anymore. Buy cans and don't take more than one out with you when you leave the house and try and limit yourself to, you know, the equivalent of a liter of Coke a day. So it wasn't even cut that habit out totally. It was chip away at it. Yeah. And what you find is that, you know, okay, after a month I was drinking a liter of Coke a day and I wasn't missing the other three liters that I'd been having previously. Yeah. And then it took me another two months or whatever it was to get rid of Coca-Cola entirely. And once I've got rid of that, he said, okay, now what's the next bad habit? And he actually actively said to me, all I want you to work on for the next two months is Coca-Cola. Yeah. Don't, don't think about anything else. Don't think about the pizza. Don't think about the ice cream. Don't think about the, the, the chocolates. Think about the soft drinks. That's, that's how, that's how, 1% oriented I think you have to be you have to pick one small thing and then lots of small things lead to big things yeah no no I totally agree with you and I think that's really really solid advice actually and a, and a, a great analogy of you know of not not cutting out coke all all the time yeah. and also and also it makes you more conscious if you're opening cans because you're going to be opening yes. many more cans say i mean you know, if you're drinking four liters what's that 12 12 cans of yeah it's 12 cans of coke a day and you know that yeah. consciousness of okay i'm opening a can um but also you know I, I i also say never underestimate the power of how connected things are in the sense that you know he told me you know he had me go out and buy a really big um, refillable water bottle and put two liters in it at the beginning of every day. And he said, I want you to make up the rest of your fluid intake from the water. Now, after a month, 
I could see the effect of reduced Coca-Cola and increased water on my body, which then provides power to keep going because you notice the change in another area. Yeah, no, exactly. It's when you do so, start noticing those changes, it really helps though, doesn't it? it? It all has a, you know, it all has a trickle down effect. You, you may be, you may be specifically working on one area, but actually you're working on everything. Mm. And also teaching you the discipline, I think. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And, and tuning into yourself even more like, okay, this is my third can of Coke today. Um, you know, how is that less than yesterday? How is it less than a week ago? It, it broke, it broke something very big down into manageable proportions. Yeah, that's, uh, it's definitely a bit of a a fantastic strategy. Hmm. You, you can't, you know, it's like, it's like if you've got 20 kilos to lose, you're not going to lose 20 kilos in a month. Well, you're not going to do it and sustain it, are you? No, you know, look, medically, they say that the safe, medically, they say safe weight loss is a kilo a week. Yeah. So if you've got 24 kilos to lose, you're looking at minimum 24 weeks. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and I think breaking things down that way becomes even more important when you're dealing with something like PTSD, where it is so easy to, to be triggered and backslide. No, I, I, yeah, no, I totally agree with you with PTSD. It's, um, it's a funny one when it starts rearing, yeah. rearing up all of its nonsense and its stories and it can <laughs> tail spin you around so fast. Yeah, oh, completely. Discombobulate you right when you think you've got all your shit sorted. Yeah. And it's just bam. It's, it's one of, it's not one of, it is, it is something that is incredibly unpleasant. Hmm. But also, put it mildly. Yeah, but also in 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 having that, and I wish I'm I'm sure you have that understanding now, um, of the 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 knock on effects of having that PTSD experience, and then the the absolute catalogue of negative behaviours, habits created to thus process and deal with PTSD, trauma, and stress when it pops up throughout your life. Mm. And that's yeah. the thing is that with a lot of people is, you know, you ask them what they want to change and they'll give you a whole list of things that they want to change or, or areas in their life, which need reviewing and, and addressing. And after doing some work, you can literally trace all of those negative behaviors and aspects. So, you know, I was going to say, say you've got 50 different negative habitual behaviors or, mm. or, or trauma responses. And all of those, all of those, all of those programs, which are desperately creating challenges in your day-to-day life now, all stem back to a single origin. Yes. And once you st- once you're able to trace that single origin, then collapse that that structure, then you'll start to see all of those behaviours and habits fall fall away with conscious yeah. choice. Yeah. 
with, with conscious choice and discipline, the habits will fall away. You know, I, I think the last time I had a sip of Coke and it was just a sip because it was just like, oh my God, this is actually disgusting. No, thank you. Is about five years ago. Because the Coca-Cola wasn't, the Coca-Cola was a symptom of the problem. Yeah, no, exactly. It wasn't the problem. You know, behaviours are a symptom, aren't they? Yes. And that's something which is so important to, to, again, to to recognise in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you you have to to ask, why do I have this behaviour, this response? Mm. and that's all um, part that, that's that's all part of this all going deeper into the self-inquiry yeah becoming becoming your own guinea pig so how do how do you so for someone so for someone listening to us now having this conversation and who recognizes that they've got aspects that they need to address you know maybe may, maybe they are overeating maybe they're over consuming mm. alcohol or drugs because of whatever reason what advice do you think you could give them to make them understand that healing and creating very serious, positive change in your life, which you can really see, you, you, you can really start to experience. What do, we, what do you think you could say to them to, to make them understand that this is achievable? It's, 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 not, it's not a it's not something which is completely unachievable and they're, they're, they're helpless and they're hapless and they can't get there. I think the, the biggest thing that comes to my mind there is the idea that a lot of people think they're alone in doing the work, which is not true. You know, I think if you reach out, you'll find support. Um, and I think you I think I think for people who are questioning the work, I think I would say you have to you have to be patient and you have to realize that instant gratification isn't real. Mm. Short lived. Um, it's short lived. You know, if it's taken you in my case, if it's taken you 35 years of of abusing your body essentially to get to 23 stone, what makes you think you're going to undo that damage in a year or even in two years? Yeah, Mm. I think I think I think the instant gratification culture that we live in is actually the biggest obstacle. No, I, 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 I agree with you. And also the majority of people just so desperate to avoid any form of discomfort. Yes. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing for them is that doing the work inherently means being uncomfortable Mm. because you're putting yourself under a microscope. Yeah. And we've had many conversations about that, haven't we? Mm. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, 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 I've heard so many people, you know, I've had people say to me, Oh, Fabian, I really admire you for the way you've done the work, but I could never do that. And they'll openly admit that they won't because it is uncomfortable. It is hard work. Well, that's such you know, a shame. It's such a shame to hear because they're only saying that because they, they perceive it to be, to be hard. And, 
I find it amazing when people talk like that because you're like, okay, so you, you, you recognize, you recognize the, the yes. monumental shifts that I've achieved. You recognize that it's been challenging, mm. which you, you wouldn't put yourself through that challenge to get these, the, the, these rewards, this, this mm. new life that I've, ob- yeah. that I've obtained through experience, temporary discomfort, which is all it is. It's mm. temporary discomfort. It's not full time. It's yes. not like you're going to spend. No. 50 years in a state of meditative pain to get to where you need to be no um i i you know look i think when you're dealing with i I think there's a few things i think you have to be we have to be specific because there's different levels of doing the work you know somebody who's got depression by itself is not the same as someone who's got ptsd right but i you know that in a way you bring me to in a way you bring me to another point that i had written down which is be prepared for the idea that you will quote unquote lose people but also gain people in life because you know Orson, one of the things i've noticed is that i'm less and less drawn now to spend time with people who acknowledge they have an issue but refuse to do the work than I am with people who are doing the work. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I agree with you on that. And I think that's, I think, I think that's I very think natural. That scares people. What, the fact you know, that if they I, will lose people? Well, you know, if I, if I do the work, am I going to lose these friendships? Am I, am I going to lose... You know, I, 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 to again give you an example, I've been in situations where I've been around a group of people who are, who have, who have been acquaintances or friends of mine for a really long time, and we've been out for dinner, and I've been given stick for not having alcohol or dessert. Mm. Now, the easy way out would to be to throw up my hands and say, "Oh, bugger it! All right, I'll have that chocolate Sunday." or that Jack Daniels, which is what I used to drink. But then I wouldn't be serving myself. I'd be serving them. And I think putting yourself in that position where you have to question who is in your life scares people off. You know, there's this statement in the American self self. Uh, self-help community and i've heard it here that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with yes this is a great great expression this so if you're if you're around people who kind of go oh yeah you know fabian or orson i know i've got this issue with my nutrition i really do but and i admire you for doing the work but i just yeah it's too much i can't be bothered or whatever they're not helping you. It's not serving you to be spending time with them and around them. No. Because they're denying the issue. And potentially, if they're being triggered by you, they're potentially having a negative effect on you. Yeah? Yeah. No, Because they're, not un- they're projecting onto you rather than just accepting, okay, Fabian doesn't want dessert or Orson doesn't want a drink. Um, and I think people, 
people get into a zone where they have certain people in their lives they like those people and to ask questions about who they're spending time with is too much work and it's too scary no i i completely agree with you because again it brings us back to the point of you're going to have to self reflect yes you know do you do you you know i i it sounds it sounds and it perhaps comes out in a way that it's not intended to it sounds incredibly transactional but you have to ask yourself with every relationship is this relationship serving me how does this person make me feel do they uplift me or do they drag me down are they critical or supportive do they do they sort of make fun of me for the way i'm i'm you know for the way i'm eating or are they inquisitive and curious and supportive yeah you have to start examining who you spend time with and why well because i mean they can just have such a huge influence over you yes and i remember and, and you go sorry go ahead i was just saying that i remember there's um there's a guy a guy called dan pena um yes big, big business guru i mean I'm, I'm i'm not a fan of his um mm. but he does come up with this this wonderful expression where he says you show me your friends and i'll show you your future yes and yeah. he's, he's 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 referencing it more from a business sense but still it's still a very valid point show me your friends and yes. i'll show you your future it's it's he's you know it's 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 completely true who are you hanging out with are you you know in my case are you hanging out with people who are successful in the complementary world you know are you hanging out with people who have built self-employed people who have built really good businesses or are you hanging out with people who are incredibly focused and aware of how they're looking after their bodies or are you looking at hanging out with people who don't give a shit about their body that mm. it, it matters no it, it definitely it definitely matters and it's very often you know one of the biggest things that people have to shift and change when yeah they're looking to resolve issues that they've got is they have to sort of uh, uh, expression i use upgrade your peer group Yes, you know the, the 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 other the other way of putting it is with the statement, "You are what you consume," mm -hmm. and that means the people you hang out with, that means the books you read, that means the music you listen to, that means the films you watch, and it means what you physically put in your own body. Mm. You know, you you are you are a yeah, my tongue tied. You are a reflection of what you consume on every level. Yeah, that that's just so true as well, isn't it? You know, if you're hanging out with negative people, if you're hanging out with people who aren't interested in growth, if you're hanging out with people who eat badly, don't exercise, and you know, I don't know, watch mindless reality TV, then why are you surprised that that's what you are? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think I think people I think that shift doesn't even happen by work. I think it happens if you're doing the work, it happens quite natural quite naturally. 
you know, if I look at, if I look at my circle now, people I would describe as friends and as acquaintances are very different than they were 10 years ago. Oh, I mean, exactly the same for me as well, my friend. I mean, exactly the same for me. And I think that's really healthy, though, to be honest, because I think, I think as 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 we were right as we were saying earlier, you know, the if you if you find yourself stuck in those negative energy systems, be it a place of work, be it a group of friends, whatever it is, then over time that's only going to pull you down. Yes, um, I I feel very lucky now that you know with with the team that I work with, you know, they are always very positive, happy go lucky, interested mm. in exploring consciousness and becoming better versions of themselves and diet, nutrition, uh, positive mental health. Mm. All of those things you, you, are just you vital. Quite, you quite naturally will find if you do the work, you'll you'll find quite naturally it and it doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be become um, it doesn't even have to be become as harsh as quote unquote cutting people out of your life or not. It simply evolves. Mm. You know, there are, there are people who are now on the outer edges of sort of Fabian's universe to use it, to use an expression who 10 years ago were much closer to the center and I still stay in touch with them. But as I've done the work, they've, it's drifted. And I say quite openly, you know, it's not that they're necessarily bad people or whatever. It's just, I've changed in a certain direction and chosen a different path. And you naturally gravitate to people who are on the same path as you. Yeah, I think that's a very natural progression, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, look, th- I'm not going to bullshit. There are times where you have to... I think there are going to be times where you have to make a conscious choice of, okay, this person is really is really unhealthy for me, and there are going to be times where you have to make that difficult choice to not see someone or not see spend time with them anymore but for the most time it's natural drift Mm. but at the same time that natural drift scares people you know that's that's i think is the point um and it's why people don't do it no i agree fear fear as we've discussed over many many months is what uh keeps a lot of us stuck for periods of time yeah it keeps people inactive yeah paralyzed um, yes yeah um paralyzed and that comes out even more with ptsd right because you're 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 deep down on some very deep level you're you're on you're in a state of heightened alertness where you are constantly worried that your trauma is going to repeat itself yeah and then you've got the uh, the ego human mind to contend with as it creates all the 
ludicrous amount of stories of all the potential possibilities and outcomes of said yes. negative yeah. worry. The sky is the, the it's the sky is falling syndrome, right? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! The world is collapsing. <laughs> um, you know that's PTSD, isn't it? Mm. In a basic kind of nutshell. Yeah, it's such a it's such a cruel human condition. Um, mm. My wife and I have been talking about it over the, the last few days and just how it affects just so many people on just so many deep levels. Mm. Um, and it is, it's, definitely, it's definitely one of the more challenging aspects of trauma to unpick. Mm. But when, well, you, when you do, it's beautiful. It's challenging to unpick because you know, you and I have had this discussion, it, it percolates into every single aspect of your life. Yeah. Um, when it hits you, when a PTSD attack hits you, it affects everything. Mm. Um, and it's an incredibly, it's an incredibly powerful program. <laughs> that it sure is. That it sure is. <laughs> Um. um and it's and and it's stored very deeply in your in your in your very tissues yes and, and again that's 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 just sort of taking it to that sort of deepest level where just how fast your body can respond to external situations or a story mm. that you've, you've created or, or some sort of trigger, external trigger, internal trigger. Yeah. Um, just makes it a very tricky, to, a tricky fish to, uh, to, to catch and to process and yes. to, to, to heal much of the time in my experience. Oh, it's very tricky. Very, very tricky. Um, you know, I know, I know for me, I would, you know, again, you and I have talked about this and I, I say, I say quite openly PTSD is possibly, is quite possibly the, the, the most challenging piece of my work that I have ever done. Yeah. No, you know, I, once I, I, once I you've acknowledged it, um, it's, it's an incredibly tough program to remove and delete mm. because it infects every part of your every part of your being that it does and that that is precisely why it makes it so difficult because it it finally interwines through every single fiber of your existence yeah uh, and, and then we'll we'll go on to create many 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 sub programs Yes. Which are all running automatically the whole bloody time. Uh, <laughs> and it, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it shows, it, it does, it does show just how powerful the human mind is at mm. create, at creation and yeah. how, and how it has this absolutely unique ability to hold current something that no longer exists. Mm. Uh, and I think, I think, you know, this is one of the one of the sort of really big revelations that I had with 
this psychiatrist in terms of working on PTSD was his insistence that I start and, or rather that I continue and really push hard on, you know, the words he used were a movement practice. And I, you know, when I asked him what he meant, he said, I want you to do something physical every day. And I kind of grumbled at him, but in hindsight, he was completely correct because what movement does is allow you to work into it. Mm. Um, it allows you to shift energy as well. Yes. You know, I, one, of my, one of my very early yoga instructors used to say, I work out in order to work in. Mm. Um, you know, if, if trauma is stored in your body, then the way you find it and the way you work into it and shift it is by moving it. Literally. Uh, I couldn't agree more with you. You know, um, and, and what I say to people you know, I get clients asking me, what should I do movement wise? And I always say, listen, I lift weights and practice yoga, but that's for me. What something else might be for you. Find the movement practice that works for you, but move your body every day. Mm. And in a way that is moderately challenging. Yeah, that's very important, isn't it? You know, um, don't just, you know, don't just go out, don't just go out for a walk, go out and do something that pushes you. You know, I did a, I did a very, very strong 75 minute yoga class this morning thinking about this podcast. And by the end of it, I had all of, all of the sort of points that I wanted to bring, bring up. I had them in my head. You know, you, you, you can really work through things and discover things about yourself. And the big one is you can discover your own power via a movement practice. You know, holy shit, I can do this. Mm. Yeah, it's a movement practice is therapeutic and it's empowering. Um, on, on a number of levels. I think that's very solid advice and uh, movement. Um, are you familiar with that chap, Ido Portel? Ido, Ido Portal, yeah. Is it? Oh, sorry, I pronounced it on Ido Portel. Mm. Um, yeah. I've, I've listened to a few of his podcasts and everything he says just makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, 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 tried, to, I tried to follow his, his philosophy on movement. Yeah. Y you... You know, you can wake up and have had a really shit night's sleep and be grumpy and depressed and you can go out and then you go out for a run or you go out, in my case, for a gym session or a yoga class and purely from that hour or 20 minutes of movement, you get an endorphin spike and you automatically feel better. Mm. And that's just the physiological benefits. That's before you get into the PTSD benefits that you're talking about. I mean, that's what I did when I, um, when I gave up alcohol, etc. after that big ayahuasca, that's, that's all mm. I did every day, seven days a week was run. Yeah. And that, 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 yeah. that was, that was my therapy just to, to move. Sometimes I'd run two or three times a day. Mm. Yeah. All, all times a day and night just to, just to process and to release, which was very powerful. Yeah. You know, I, I woke up, 
I work, you know, again, to bring her into it, my girlfriend and I had a, had a silly little tiff this morning before yoga and it left me feeling slightly pissed off. But by the end of the 75 minute yoga class, it was gone Mm. because I moved it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally moved it. And you can do that with all of this stuff as well. You know, when you've got a moment of PTSD where you're feeling an ache or a pain or some anger or some grief or whatever emotion is there, you can move it. You know, it's, it's, it's vital for the body on multiple fronts is the way I would put it. It says I, I'm, mass, I'm assuming it's going to be the, exactly the same principle. And I've, I've mentioned this on a number of occasions where you see say the, uh, a gazelle on you know, feeding head down in the grass and then out of nowhere, uh, a lion tries to take it down, but it escapes. Yeah. yeah. And then you see, immediately see it go through a sort of shaking process, uh, all body f- shaking process before yes. 30 seconds later, it's heads back down in the ground, chowing down on the grass. Now, if that same sort of incident was to happen to a human being walking home from a night out and someone tries to attack you, the chances are you're probably going to have a sort of like a, a PTSD type-esque experience for yes. many days if not weeks months afterwards uh, and it's because you know what human beings do is that we hold on to trauma we store it because yes. because we continually replay it in our head and, yeah. and and this is for the ego to to just go well what if what if this happened what if this happened yeah uh, and it's this yeah. re- repetitive playing over the, the the trauma which no longer exists that keeps yes. it real whereas yes. Other creatures in nature would recognise. Well, if, if if the gazelle couldn't eat for three or four days, it would probably die. If it was yeah. said, "Well, I, I can't go back out on the prairies," and another lion is going to take me out, you know, it has that innate ability to forget that traumatic temporary expression because it will yeah. screw, screw itself up if it did harbour and hold on to those memories and emotions well, it would die wouldn't it if yeah. a gazelle went and, and stuck itself in a room and said right i've just been attacked by a lion and i've survived and i'm never going to do that again you know it would die within a few days or whatever yeah um so yes you know the the movement it's, it's a really good point the movement practice allows you to shift that energy from inside your body And I feel it's one of the simplest, simplest ways to help release. Yes. I, I had a, I had a session with, with my nutritionist. Um, I think I've showed you his picture before He's a jujitsu black belt. I had a picture, I had a session with him a couple of weeks ago and he's sort of one of the comments he's made about me is that he can't believe how little loose skin that I have since having lost the weight that I've lost. And I've kind of calmly said to him, James, you know, I've kind of calmly said to him, listen, it wasn't just weight. It was trauma. Mm. You literally, in my case, the, the trauma had to go somewhere and I took care of it and quote unquote tucked it away by eating. And now that I move my body and acknowledge and work through the trauma and the PTSD, my body is letting it go. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's it's literally a chain. No, it is. And again, when people recognize how our physical bodies will store trauma and that will then very often manifest as in extra weight, fat. Yes. Um, and this is why, you know, for a lot of trauma work and you could do the deep purges, the, the, the physical purges, you know, you are releasing yeah. shit, quite literally. Mm. Yes. Trauma and Well, I mean, I mean you know, one place where scientists will agree because it's just fact is that your body stores toxins in your fat cells. Mm. Now, obviously, doctors are talking about physical toxins. You know, if you're eating a lot of McDonald's like I was and a lot of Coca-Cola. But if we're talking about toxins, aren't abuse and trauma and PTSD toxins as well? Oh, definitely. Right? Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's exactly as you're saying. It just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's toxic energy as well. Yes, yeah. Literally toxic energy. That's it. Um, and, you know, I know for me, getting really consistent about a movement practice was a revelation. And on the flip side, if I don't move my body in a challenging way for a few days in a row, I start noticing it. I notice it. You know, I turn into a you know, I turn into a very cranky person if I don't get a good challenging session at least once every twenty four hours. Um, so it's the again, perfect it time has, to release, isn't it? Yeah, I have a knock on. You know, it has a knock on effect on your whole life if you move your body. Mm. um it's and you know as you've said it's a simple solution you know it's a simple solution that you can offer people now you know with with the the whole covid situation you know okay you've been stuck inside for a year get out and move your body and you'll automatically feel better yeah i i tell people that all the time in my videos you know just get outside Spend time yes. in nature, move, yeah. listen, listen to move. music, breathe in the fresh yeah. air. It's so yeah. important. It's, it's huge. It's, you know, we've said it before, we're not designed to be sitting, to be inside sitting all day. No, especially under those artificial lights. Artificial lights, staring at a screen, um, not interacting with other human beings. Yeah, it's tragic. It's it's the flip side. Um, and if you keep doing all of those things, you're not going to help your PTSD. Yeah, uh, but this comes back to where you know you, you have to have that honest conversation with yourself. You have to, you you have to be prepared to make major shifts in everything that you do. Yes. Because otherwise you're just going to keep repeating the same experience over and over and over again. This is one of the strongest bits of advice I give to all my clients. If you want to experience change, you are then going to have to create that change. Yes. Because if, if, if you continue to think the same, feel the same, do the same, you're going to, you're going to continue to experience the same. 
yeah it's once you know how bad a choice is for you if you continue to make the same choice then nobody can help you no you know it's bring it back to coca-cola if if my coach in boston had explained to me just how bad coca-cola was for me and i had then chosen to continue keep drinking it versus saying okay i need to cut this crap out of my life that's and that's a key piece is once you once you're aware of it then you can make a conscious choice right yeah that's the point that's the that's the sort of that level of awareness is the ultimate is 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 was not maybe not the ultimate point but is a very big point of doing the work to get yourself to the place where you're so conscious of yourself that you can make the right choice and that's exactly it and that's that's pretty much the fundamentals of 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 the work that we've been doing together is bringing bringing in that awareness of self so with that deeper understanding that deeper consciousness that deeper um deeper understanding after that deep exploration and, and contemplation, you can then make better informed decisions. Yes. To, to improve, to create a new future for yourself. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you aren't necessarily sometimes going to make a not very good decision or a, a less good decision, but at least you're making it consciously. Yeah. 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 And if you're conscious that you're making it, you're just you're more likely to change it. Mm. It's much better to, to to consciously recognize that you are going to the fridge for that whole tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which I did the other night, and doing, <laughs> and doing it consciously as opposed to suddenly finding yourself on the sofa feeling fat and sick after eating an entire yes tub of Ben and Jerry's ice because you've eaten a tub of cookie dough, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. My favorite yeah. at the moment is uh, birthday cake okay um yeah i haven't haven't eaten ben and jerry's in years either but yeah you know you that's exactly it you know and it brings you you know i have the level of consciousness with my nutrition now where if i'm drawn to something that i know used to be part of my unhealthy unhealthy habits I have an automatic question that pops into my head, which is why do you want this? Do you want this because you would like a teaspoon or a tablespoon of ice cream as a treat? Or do you want this because you've been triggered? Yeah. That's the level of, of awareness that people need. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, 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 a beautiful space to work towards, I think. Yes. Yeah, but it's it, it's 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 a journey to get there. Mm. And it comes back to, and it comes back to you know that comes back to one thing at a time, one day at a time. You know, if you're if you think you're going to make these changes quickly, then I'm here to disabuse you of that notion. Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's. I think that's important to say because I, I, I'm trying to think how to phrase it. I think 
I think we would be doing people who are listening a disservice if we painted this as an easy task. Oh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd hope to think that the majority of people who've certainly long-term followed my journey will recognise that it is a, it, it, it is a, it is a real mission. And I think actually, yes. I think I, th I think a lot of people do recognise that it is challenging, and I think that's 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 why an awful lot of people actually just avoid it, and yes. con continue eating the tubs of ice cream and drinking the pints of beer every night. Yeah, yeah, you know, just, there's, just there's like a percentage I was. Yeah, or like you know, like like I did for for God knows how many years, having having uh, you know, Domino's pizza for breakfast. <laughs> um, it's it's very challenging and it's very time consuming and you have to break it down. Um, and, and honesty is not dishonesty about that is not going to help anyone. No, no, you have yeah. to start with being honest with yourself. Yes. Um, you have to start with being honest with yourself and you have to, the other thing you have to do, I think, is you have to develop a sense of self-compassion and self-forgiveness. That's incredible. Because, awesome. because you are going to have bad days. You are going to have days where you slip up and make poorer choices, and you're going to have days where you make better choices. And I think people get you know, I, you know, take, take a, take, take one of my major pet peeves, which is new year's resolutions. Yeah. You know, how many people do you know who come into December 31st and January and they join a gym and they're determined they're going to lose four stone or two stone that year. And when they haven't lost that four stone by the end of January, they just kind of go, ah, oh, bollocks and give up. Well, I think it's one yeah. of the biggest, biggest problems for gyms, isn't it? Well, they actually they actually make a lot of money in January. Oh, of course, <laughs> it's been yeah, their yeah, big yeah, thing this yeah. year, you know, not, not this year. So um, bless them. Yeah, but but the, the the point I'm making is is back to the whole. You have to look at this as to use a running analogy. This is not a sprint; it's a marathon. Yeah, and you have to pace yourself. You know, you can't go from, you can't go from, in my case, 150 kilos to 90 in a year or overnight. You have to do it over the, over a period of time, um, piece by piece. It's not, it's not a, it's not, it's not a case of flip the switch and it's done. Yeah, uh, and that's that's such an important, um, that's such an important realization to have. So, to summarize, just because we're coming up to our two-hour mark, mm. um, and I don't want to push people too long. No, <laughs> sure. <laughs> at this time, um, because we can go deeper into different aspects during other sessions yes yeah so to, 
if you could summarize what we've been talking about and for people listening who resonate and the beautiful thing about our podcast Fabian is that actually a lot of people have, have resonated deeply with our conversations. Yeah. Um, because I think the majority of people can relate to, uh, experiencing trauma and, and post-traumatic stress disorders, even if they're not mm. totally aware of how deep and how controlling they are on their personal lives. Yeah. And I think we can all recognize that, you know, when we're stressed and we're triggered and we're unhappy and we're lost and we're lonely, that we'll, we will, we will have coping strategies, which most of the time probably won't be particularly healthy. Yes. So, yeah, just to, if you could summarize or if there's any other points that you had that you wanted to make, I think now I have, I actually, awesome I actually sort of, I came up with kind of far, what I would call the five, 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 um, five strategies to take away with, to, to take away if you're doing the work, five things to do. Perfect. Um, the one that sort of, because I also chatted to a couple of friends about this who are doing the work, the kind of consensus number one is move your body every day. Um, in whatever form you can and which whatever form challenges you. Um, point two, I think, is take things one day at a time, one thing at a time. Um, point three is educate yourself. And by that, I mean become curious, ask questions, learn how, how to look after your own body and learn how to fuel your own body, make yourself your own experiment. Um, pick one habit at a time. And then the fifth one is be very, very, become very selective and very inquisitive about the people you're spending time with. Because they can be either a huge help or a huge hindrance in doing the work. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you on that. I think it's, it's so important to have people who are going to inspire you, who are going to lift you up, yeah. um, to, give, to give you honest, gonna, honest feedback. Yeah, and force you to grow. Yeah, definitely. To step up. Push you into new directions, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you have... I think if you have those excuse me those five things in place you're going to be in decent shape. Uh, I um, I agree with you. You know you 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 have to pick a handful of strategies and work with those. Um and I think I think you know if I can add one more thing uh, the one more thing I would add is don't be afraid to ask for help. If That's... you're, if you're struggling, talk to your friends, talk to those, talk to your support group. Um, because if they're the right support group, you'll get what you need. Mm. You know, I know in my case, if I'm struggling to get a movement practice in during a certain week I can call a couple of friends and they'll jump and say well come and train with me 
so you you know the the tribe piece is is all of these five are vital but don't be afraid to don't be afraid to ask for help don't be afraid to reach out you know don't don't think that you have to do this work alone yeah no that's beautiful and i think it's it's so important uh, it's it's such an important message to recognize that you know we're we're so many of us are in the same boat so many of us struggle and suffer with PTSD or anxiety or depression or all three or a, co- a collection of others. And yes, um, if we can all really sort of help support each other to, to grow and to heal and to explore and to expand, to, to improve us on a whole, I think that's just a, a beautiful thing to share with, with everybody else. And I, I, yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd always encourage that. It's low. It's, it's, it's hard enough and sometimes lonely enough to be doing the work that you, that you don't need to make it more lonely by not asking people. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think that's a uh, really solid advice, mate. And, uh, I've really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed this conversation on this mm, wet, wet, same. wet, wet, cold Saturday. Saturday evening, dark at five o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Although the the nights are getting younger, as they say, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're getting getting shorter and shorter, yeah. So hopefully hopefully the better weather is coming, the warmer, lighter nights, and hopefully we'll be able to get our freedoms back (laughs) to be able to to meet and to go back to the gyms. Because, I mean, obviously the gyms being closed has obviously affected a lot of people's mental health. Oh, massively. That's been uh, massively. That hasn't been good at all. No. Awesome. Well, listen. I'm gonna let's let's wrap this up because uh, yes. I can hear some noise upstairs. My neighbours are sound like they're starting to drill or something like that, which is a bit irritating. <laughs> and I don't want to cause any interference with the podcast. But no, uh, no, no. Fabian, thank you as always, my friend. No, it's, you're very welcome. It, it's been a pleasure. This won't be the last. Yes. We'll certainly be doing more of these conversations. And I hope you have a lovely evening with your girlfriend. And, yeah, um, and vice versa for you with, uh, with your wife. Thank you very much. And we will catch up very, very soon. But yes. other than that, I'd just like to thank everyone else for tuning in to another episode of the Awesome Boom podcast. If you have any questions for Fabian or me, then do reach out. I will leave Fabian's contact details in the show notes. Uh, so you can follow him on his Instagram or if you want to speak to him about his work or his journey, then I know he's more than happy to answer any questions. Smashing. All right, dude. Well, listen, big love to you. Have a, have have an awesome evening. And as I said, you and I will, will continue our conversation. Yeah. yeah, I'll reach, I'll reach out to you uh, next week to, to maybe get another session in the diary. So super lovely jubbly. All right, dude. Well, have a, have a, an amazing rest of the weekend and i'll speak to you later and yourself yeah enjoy it take care big love thanks awesome bye bye